0: Yeah, your anthrax will arrive at December 5th. Is it it anthrax in the shape of a chocolate letter? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Now I'm getting some
2: uh, some Christmas present ideas. (laughs) Thanks, Gordon. Friday, November 20th, 2020, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Olibala Kram, Catastrophe Survivor. With me today are Gordon Derrick, my fellow Contributing Editor at Dutch News and, and person who's finished his children's Christmas shopping, and Paul Pater's Master Student in Civil Engineering and overuse of Twitter's fake news war.
0: <laughs> Well, Yeah, that is true. <laughs> the, yeah. right, Molly, I think, I think we have to start with you. What happened at the and Kram this week? Well,
2: I mean, as everyone knows, we are in lockdown, and therefore yeah. no one is leaving their house. And on Monday, I actually had to leave my house, which was terrible. So (laughs) I was trying to reward myself by getting an ball, which is the only decent reason to leave your house this time of year. And then the olibola crown was closed, and Uh, I was distraught. So I went to, like, five other places in the city center that, on the weekends, sell olibola, like, you know, restaurants or, like, bakeries. Mm. Nobody was selling them. So finally, I, in a desperate attempt to, you know, get my fix, texted (laughs) Paul (laughs) <laughs> to see, to get him to find out if the olibala near his house was open, which it was, but it is an inferior olibala crumb, so that I was sad. Uh. So that I made another trip out later this week, which was definitely non-essential, but
1: totally worth it to get right. decent olibala. Right. I think it counts as an essential trip to yeah. get olibala. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I totally.
2: mean, I I've been trying to debate whether or not I want to go to the Hague to the really really good volleyball ball <laughs> no, which would I mean, require being on public transport, which feels very unessential, but also extremely essential. No, totally essential.
0: That, that is a life saving journey, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you need the yeah. olive fix. I, I haven't. I, it's I, I the I only thing you... I
2: think that's going to keep me going through this uh, dark dark days of winter.
0: Indeed, the dark days of win- pandemic winter when there's not yeah. even yeah um, when there's not even Nellstedt och cancellation to look forward to as we'll come on too shortly. Um, yeah, but I have to say I haven't had Oli this uh, this season yet. I, wow. Get out, I know. what are you doing? I mean, What's I've been the, saving, what is even the point? i am mean, saving it for a special moment. I'm not quite sure what that special moment <laughs> oh. will be, but uh, i know when it happens. My
2: special moment was the Oli Olibolacrum in, in Delft Open. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ergo, we are here.
1: I would say uh, you can create your own special moment yes. by eating an Olibol.
2: Yeah, oh. I agree with the statement. But Gordon, you should be able to celebrate finishing your your Christmas shopping for your children. Uh, I
1: don't week, know.
0: Right? I don't know why. I did, this is fake news. I, I haven't even started my <laughs> Christmas shopping for my children. But you
2: got such except... a good list of suggestions from the anti swearing league yesterday of things ah, yeah, that you can is, purchase for your true. kids. This is true.
0: This is true. Yeah. Well, I haven't actually I haven't bought the things, but indeed, I can buy books for everyone uh, this this year. A different swear word for every child, because exactly. Yeah, <laughs> apparently every every <laughs> Dutch book now has uh, has swearing in it as standard, which I wasn't aware of and probably wouldn't have noticed had it not been for the very obliging people at the Pont de and the League against swearing
1: who published a list of all the books that have got sweary words in them so and yeah. and and it's it's they they would be uh, faster if they would uh, publish a list uh, with <laughs> books without swearing yeah. right. which would be uh, an empty list um
2: yes. no there was one right wasn't there one and they she got the this book the author got the you know beloved i don't remember golden not four letter word statue or whatever it is that they give out <laughs> right. to books that yeah. don't have swearing in them
1: yeah. I, I mean uh, authors need to do something to stand out right and those yeah. authors they uh, he, he, well molly knows everything about them they are terrible writers so sometimes they have to do something that uh, uh, you know makes them stand out and in the netherlands that is writing something without swear words there you go without swear words yeah i true.
2: i mean it, this is a classic uh, Streisand effect situation yeah, I was going to say, which... these people
0: have clearly never ever heard of the Streisand effect, because they do right. it every year right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I definitely took their list of swearing things and we figured out which books were appropriate for our nieces and nephews, and uh, ordered two yesterday <laughs> from the bookstore <laughs> <laughs> So, you
1: yeah. Yeah,
2: I mean, Paul, you don't have yeah. much of a job yeah. title this week. I just really want you to stop using the stupid fake news thing on Twitter. So I'm calling <laughs> you out on the podcast. It's too much. You have is, to stop. It,
0: is, it, is this the one everyone's pasting into their tweets that says this claim yeah. is disputed"? Yeah, it's disputed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: and then what did you have the other day? Something about uh. It's disputed by uh, election officials and common sense. I saw that
1: you created your own. <laughs> yeah, there was um, uh, there was someone who tweeted something about uh, vaccines. I think it was one of those uh, anti-vax idiots who uh, who tweeted something. So I quote tweeted that with um, uh, this statement is disputed by official sources and common sense. Hmm.
2: Oh, I remember what it was that they said that viruses don't spread from person to person.
1: Ah. That was it. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. that was the dumbest tweet. That That was the dumbest thing. It was
2: the dumbest tweet. It's topped the uh, the everything was fine as long as you weren't a gypsy or a Jew during the world the Second World War (laughs) tweet, which had originally (laughs) been the top of our war on who's got the worst tweet.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, And I forgot what what, how stupid that tweet was, but yeah, it's it's it really was a very stupid tweet. You go back and relive it. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But in tweets that were amazing, uh, the Brexit monster is back, Paul. I saw it on Twitter, and it caused
0: some upheaval. He's back, and he's made breakfast.
2: And he's Indeed. made
0: breakfast and <laughs> yes. blood dried
2: himself.
1: which was delightful. <laughs> Should I just do the story? Please. Because you're spoiling yes. everything now. Yeah. Yes. Um, this week, our favorite fluffy monster returned the embodiment of Brexit, according to the Dutch government. It's enormous, it's blue it's wonderful, it's Brexit Muppet. For the few people who missed it in February 2019, Foreign Affairs Minister Stef Block uh, shocked everyone by tweeting a photo of him standing behind his desk with on top of it this gigantic blue fluffy Muppet in a sort of draw me like one of your French girls position. Uh, it It turned out that this was the start of an ad campaign by the Dutch government urging everyone and especially companies and businesses dealing with the United Kingdom to prepare for the Brexit monster. Back then Uh, the results of Brexit and the outcomes of negotiations between the EU and the United Kingdom were very unclear and uncertain and guess what they still are the the transition period of Brexit will end on December 31st and it is becoming increasingly likely the UK and the EU will not reach a deal and therefore the Dutch government is again reminding everyone to prepare for the worst case scenario plus side they brought back the Brexit Muppet in a 30 second long TV ad tweeted by Steph Blok on Thursday morning, the Brexit Muppet can be seen waking up and getting along its morning routine, eating a full English breakfast, uh, also drinking the worst tea ever. <laughs> I think that was uh, that was part of the opf.
2: I mean, the tea thing managed to annoy <laughs> both Dutch people by putting milk in the tea mm, and British yes. people by pouring it in like a la Niagara Falls. Exactly,
0: <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Yeah, straight out of the plastic milk carton as well. You know, and, yeah, and just yeah, just pouring an absolute gallon of tea in. Yeah. And of course, there's a whole dispute that always triggers about whether you should put the milk in first or the tea in first.
2: Yeah, which is a serious I mean, like like the patat freak debate in this country. Yeah, it's just it's not nothing. something you bring up in polite company because exactly. it's going to come to fisticuffs.
1: Yeah, I I learned on the Crown that you should uh, put the milk second.
2: Well, how does it divide along lines on the Dutch news team, Gordon? I'm Where actually, are you on this argument? I'm
1: quite agnostic about it. I usually put my milk in
0: second, to be honest. Okay. But I'm not. I'm not a big tea drinker. I don't drink an awful lot of tea.
2: Yeah. But. Uh the editor in chief feels very strongly that you put the milk in second. Uh, mm. very strongly. So I think that makes sense. And you do that
1: too, right, Molly?
2: Yeah, generally speaking I put the milk in second. Sometimes if I'm being extremely like uppity about everything, I will pre warm <laughs> my tea and our milk frother and then we'll <laughs> add it first to the cup with the yeah. It's a process. I could <laughs> be sort of uh, extra about this kinds of stuff, though. So I, d- I don't think, and also I'm not British, so nobody should take my opinion on the subject seriously. Yeah, but that's,
0: the, that's true. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah, but the point is here. At least, I mean, at least Brexit might be here was drinking tea rather than the kind of muddy puddle water that you get served in the Netherlands. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if I drink tea in this country, which um, I, I always drink like a fruit tea or something like that, because to yeah. ju- ju- just what, 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 what passes for ordinary brown tea is is, is, is an abomination. My uh
2: personal favorite um tea related dr- Dutch drama is when my mother-in-law chastises me for not reusing the tea bag 97 <laughs> times uh, which I refuse to do and then very early on in our relationship uh in an in an effort to sort of appease what I thought was her problem with the situation which is is that because I drink a lot of tea I'm consuming a lot of tea bags in her house I brought my own tea and then she was insulted that like her, Albert Heinebrand's tea was not good enough (laughs) and and that I was wasting the tea by not reusing the tea bags. Mm. It's a whole drama.
1: A lot of drama. Mm. Yeah. Um Also, the Brexit Muppet was reading uh, the Brexit section of a newspaper on the toilet, Uh, he uh, took a shower, uh, did a little blow dry and he left the door, all while a song called Get Out of My Way was playing on the background. I tried to Shazam the song because I wasn't familiar with it, but I think it was was specifically uh, made for this ad. and the message is clear. Don't let Brexit get in your way. And for more information, you are directed to Brexitlocat.nl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If okay. you are a burger, you can go there. Yes. Yes. So,
0: yeah, useful, Yeah, full of useful advice. And of course, the Brexit talks now have been held back. Uh, it's even less likely there will now be a deal between Britain and the EU because um, Michel Barnier has got coronavirus and everyone's oh, had to self-isolate. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so it's a perfect storm of Brexit and Corona. Everything is the, moving. The
2: EU's, coro- the EU's uh, Brexit negotiations. Yeah, yeah, the twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, the twenty twenty season's finale is moving towards a real cliffhanger. So yeah, indeed. I think <laughs> yeah. that
2: um, it's been very entertaining to me because I am a you know chaotic so, evil to remind people <laughs> that sure we kind of sort of survived the U.S. elections sort of. Um, but that like brexit is looming and everyone's mm. like no, no brexit is over and I'm like, mm, it's not uh, over no. it, it hasn't even yeah. really started yet guys.
0: yeah it's, it's kind of like because yeah. Britain left the EU in February but because they yeah. they signed this transition period that uh, all the rules are still being observed, but that all falls yeah. away on January yeah. so it's kind of like you know you've been you've taken you've taken a massive blow to the head in February, but you don't start hemorrhaging until the, until the start of next year That's yeah. what it's like.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and you had plenty of opportunities to get bandages and to get aspirin and uh, And, and all sorts of other medicines. And you got them all back. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, But the Foreign Affairs Ministry ministry said that they have um, ad campaigns uh, prepared for every situation. So uh, at least we will see Brexit Muppet return after uh, December 31st. Yeah, he's been a busy boy, Brexit Muppet.
2: Has anyone asked the Dutch to just take over Brexit because they seem to be the most prepared for it out of anybody.
0: <laughs> it is going to be 16, eight, 1689 all over again. What happened to 1689? <laughs> that was when uh, the Dutch invaded uh, the Dutch had, uh, had, invaded had, had, the had their benign invad- invasion of London. Yeah. Oh, was and, that and the and Glorious Revolution? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was earlier. Okay, never mind.
0: No, because so the vampire was 1672 and then... 1689 was the Glorious Revolution.
1: Well, and now 2020 is your Rampia. It's Rampaire, yeah. So there'll be a Glorious yeah. Revolution to follow. Makes sense. Yeah. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah. History will,
0: repeats. Yeah, and it will begin in the Four Seasons landscaping car park. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this week, it's what else? More Corona news. Can you travel for Christmas? Will the government force you to take a vaccine? Are we ever going to join the rest of the world and get a mask mandate? Plus, more screw-ups from the Immigration Service, a disturbing series of threats, and bonus all peff involving the big man himself. Oh. Dun-dun-dun.
0: Sinterklaas is delivering his presents alone. You can only have six visitors at Christmas. Fireworks and beach infernos have been cancelled. The Elfstedentocht has been called off and all waffles will be lavender flavoured. No. Well, that that last one is fake news. Oh, good God. Truly, coronavirus has turned the Netherlands into a cultural wasteland. At a press conference this week... (laughs)
2: What was it before?
0: Well, (laughs) this is the burning question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Although not the burning question on on, uh, on Downdoor Beach this year thankfully. Yeah, I
1: was going yeah. yeah. <laughs> to
0: <laughs> At a press conference this week Prime Minister Mark Grutter and doorstep evangelist come health minister Hucho de announced that the measures announced two weeks ago were being eased, even though the downward trend in infections is slowing That means groups of four can now congregate outside together, three people can visit you at home, and museums libraries, cinemas and zoos are open for business again The partial lockdown will stay in place until at least mid-December, so bars and restaurants have still closed and alcohol sales are banned after 8pm and you should work from home. And we're getting a mask mandate from December the 1st so everyone can finally shut up about masks.
2: Do you think people are going to shut up about masks? <laughs> no,
0: but they can if they okay. want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's really it's no- just
2: other people are going to be complaining about having to wear masks instead of people being yeah. complaining that we don't have to wear masks. But they're
0: already, they're already doing that, so they're, they're ahead of the curve on that. But yeah. Um, anyway, Reuters said the rules for Christmas will be decided on after Sinterklaas has gone back to Spain, but the outbreak management team is advising that people should have no more than six guests, and if you're visiting elderly relatives, they say you should restrict your contacts for the ten days before Christmas. That's going to be a bit difficult for anyone who's taking their kids to visit grandparents, given the schools don't break up until the 18th, but there you go. Oh my god, know?
2: that's such dumb planning. What were they thinking? What else has the coronavirus ruined this year, Gordon?
0: The fireworks industry is very upset that the government has cancelled all private fireworks this year and fireworks sales. Anyone setting them off will get a €100 Euro fine and a criminal record, unless, of course, Fairte house does it, in which case it'll be a slap <laughs> on the wrist. The industry responded with full-page newspaper adverts, bemoaning the situation. They said, "Sorry, the government is misusing figures. Sorry for the increase in illegal fireworks, and sorry your toddler gets to keep both eyes this year." I made that last one up. Uh, <laughs> Did you do that? Yeah, the temporary ban can become a permanent ban by next year because there are already moves in place to outlaw private firework sales. But this year there will be no New Year fireworks uh, at all because, of course, even the public displays are cancelled because people aren't supposed to Can't gather in group groups. groups. Hubert, uh, Hubert Brüls, head of the local safety boards, has said there should be a small-scale organised events at New Year, supervised by youth workers or a police officer, to prevent a Wild West-style free-for-all. Um, obviously, he's concerned because there's been lots of <laughs> illegal, illegal parties uh, already by people who are just bored of the whole corona um, lockdown, and he thinks
1: this might be a particularly acute problem at New Year. So, they want to prevent a uh, Wild West style free for all. So, they basically want to prevent a new year. Basically, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Or the the old new year. Yeah, I have to say. (laughs) Uh, So, how are the numbers uh, looking currently in the Netherlands?
0: Uh, yeah, well, uh, everyone's eyes are on the numbers, um, but of course, uh, once again, we've had uh, some computer problems, so we don't really know what they are. Um, oh, they've. Okay. <laughs> it was, are it was, they what?
2: using the same version of Excel that the British
0: government is using? Yeah, like, what is going on here? I, I think it's all being done on Windows ninety five, basically. Yeah, yeah. They like
2: left a floppy disk somewhere. <laughs> it's
0: okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a third time in recent weeks. I mean, issues with sending the data from local health services. Uh, they told us what happened this time. The uh, the VPN server crashed on Tuesday afternoon. They well. Well, it's, it's kind of encouraging to know they do actually send the data securely, which makes a yeah. change from a standard Dutch government procedure. Uh, but uh, the, yeah, it crashed and the backup wasn't working uh, or that they, they couldn't recover the figures in time. And they estimate about a thousand positive tests were missing uh, based on previous day's figures. And that was a bit wow. alarming. because the the numbers on Wednesday went up even without those positive tests, so from 4,300 to 4,600, and then on Thursday, sure enough, they were up to 5,725, although some of that is likely to be the system catching up with the missing cases but it's clear that the sharp decline we saw at the start of this month is slowing down in the weekly report on tuesday the number of cases was down by 13 and a half percent whereas the week before it was 32 percent and in the last couple of days the average rate has slowed further to around seven percent and uh, all this happens just as uh, we decide to start uh, unlocking so good yeah. timing
1: yeah, because um, uh, uh, by the way, I I'm always uh, looking forward uh, to uh, w- which side uh, job title uh, you come up with for uh, Hugo de Jonge. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm looking at the map right now, the 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 Corona dashboard, which uh, sort of uh, should indicate uh, how how thing how well things are going, mm. and I'm looking at the map of the the risk levels in the country and. Every province except the northern provinces and Zeeland is currently labelled as very worrisome. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, if if the if the current situation, the Corona uh, situation in the Netherlands was Rudy Giuliani's head, it would be melting. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we just uh, keep going, keep, keep continuing with the press conference. Uh, it's 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 insane. I yeah. think why would you open everything right now when? things are still looking so bad. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, It just yeah, well, doesn't I'm, make sense. No,
0: I mean, it's not a full opening. There's still, I mean, the, the, the lockdown measures that came in in mid-October are still applying. But yeah, in, any kind of softening now, I mean, I, I think at
1: least another week of the hard lockdown would have uh, been better. You mean the mid-October uh, measures that didn't have any No, th- those, are, those are the late September measures. Those
2: are the September ones.
1: Oh, those were the September ones. Yeah, oh, keep, up September ones. Okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. keep up Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I got a
2: little annoyed at people who were complaining about this particular Yap van Diesel thing because you're referring yeah. to these comments that um V M had Yap van Diesel made earlier this week that the lockdown measures that the government took in the mid-September didn't work. And people were kind of being pissy about, you know, Yap on Diesel because he's always on about how masks don't really do anything. And everyone's saying, like, yeah, this isn't helping that he keeps just saying things aren't working. But the thing that he was saying wasn't working is, like, going from closing the bars at 12 until 10. Yeah. Like, mm. his point was is that these tiny little incremental things do not do enough, which that- I think is accurate, and also, like, very relevant to what we're dealing with at the moment.
1: And also, I would not... Like uh, having scientists just tell the public and M- MPs that things are working right. uh, because the yeah. government wants them to work, uh, yeah. and, and basically have them lie because uh, uh, the stupid health minister says. Uh, yeah, exactly. He has I mean, to.
0: Yeah, yeah, scientists aren't there to say the the, the right thing or the desirable thing. Yeah, they're, 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 they're there to tell you what the science says, I and mean, if that's not right. convenient, that's not their problem. It's you, you as a policymaker. Right. And the problem is a lot of the failures of policymakers to actually um, um, make good decisions has been kind of pushed on to the scientists and they get the blame for it yeah. which I think is a bit unfair I think it's yeah, a, you I know think I don't, I don't want to hold too much of a candle for fun Diesel here but uh, he, he's there basically to say what the science says and you know, if it says that the measures in September didn't work then that's that is you learning from your mistakes which is what I expect yeah. scientific advisors to do it's up to the politicians then to make the right decision decisions going forward and that's where
1: the failures have been for me Indeed, and I think the criticism he got this week was unfair, Uh, but it's probably a lot of frustration that's projected on the man, um, even when he's right
0: yeah um, yeah and of course there the, seems to be in the last couple of weeks as well there's been a lot of reports that there's been uh, tension within the cabinet about um, about running the lockdown that, uh, and that Rutte and de Jonger are on, on one side they're, they're known as the white coats where they're the ones who <laughs> favour stronger lockdown measures so Rutte for example was arguing for shutting the schools a couple of weeks ago and then you have the uh, the, 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 ec- the ministers who have economic portfolios like Wopke Hoogstra and Erik Wiebers who who want to ease the lockdown as quickly as possible to to to, to, to to limit the damage to the economy and it seems and to be a between they're called the three w's <laughs> because there's also valta Colmies. so you got vodka yeah. <laughs> uh Vibers and Wouter. um yeah and the, the, there seems to be a kind of standoff between these two uh and so they're constantly having to compromise and i think that's why they couldn't do extend these rules once they decided to have these rules in for two weeks there was no way they were going to extend them any longer because the three w's would have kicked up a stink So that seems to be the the reason. I just
2: don't... I think I'm really tired of this argument about the opposition between the virus and the economy. Like, if there is an unchecked global pandemic... People are not going to go out to places. I mean, some people will go out to bars, more people, obviously, than are going out now. But when I talk to my friends who own restaurants and are, you know, or work in bars or whatever, like, even when the, you know, things were somewhat, you know, were reopened and sort of over the summer, right, that, like, the number of people coming through the door was not sufficient to be able to pay the bills and so you sort of limp along in this weird way I mean like you know we've talked about this like how much I mean maybe you went out a bit more maybe you did a bit more shopping earlier but like you're not sort of at normal levels which the economy needs to function this Mm. argument that like if the best thing that we can do is try to keep things open seems completely insane to me. I mean, I agree about the schools. I think it's pretty clear that like kids are really suffering if they are not in schools um, and that like family life really suffers because it turns out that like taking care of your brats all day is really really exhausting. And you should pay your teachers more. Like here's my endless plug Mm. for paying teachers more. But like there, there's at least some, you know, sort of benefit to society. Like there's no benefit to society because like the, you know, Hema is open. I mean, maybe the Hema, but the only ball of Krama need to stay open. But everything else, I feel like you could just <laughs> shut and, like, you know, just pay people and, like, we could stop all this, like, endless debate about what you're going to do.
0: Yeah. And you know, when you look at the figures that came out last week, I think, for the third quarter, you saw the economy took a massive dive in the second quarter, yeah. which we knew because everything shut. But then in the third quarter, it covered pretty strongly. And over the nine months, the economy's dipped by about two and a half percent, which, given everything yeah. that's happened, is actually not a bad so, result, yeah. you know. And it's we can become we too wedded to this idea that e- economic growth equals success when yeah. in this kind of situation, surely just keeping everybody alive is a better right. measure of success than whether <laughs> or not your, goal, your economy yeah. goes up or down by 2%. Now you are a radical
2: yeah. <laughs> leftist socialist and we I guess, can't sort yeah, of we're, have we're, that
0: We're, we're to scum. Yeah, and we will get lots of hate it's, mail now yeah. because we're not killing off enough old people. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, but we're
2: all going to be saved by a vaccine, right, Gordon? That's uh, what I was told this that's week. That's right. It's vac- all going to be fine. There's a vaccine. We'll all be home by Christmas.
0: Yeah, the vaccines, come in. The vaccine's not, come in. Vaccines come in. Dolly Parton is backing it. It is nine to five percent effective.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not my joke, vaccine. but I'm to vaccine. say it. Vaccine.
2: <laughs> vaccine. <laughs> vaccine. Vaccine. <laughs>
0: And yes, um, anyone's going to take it, it will is be fine. It's a
2: national treasure and you all are
0: welcome. <laughs> yeah, there there is no Dutch equivalent to Dolly, I have to say. No. Yeah, there's a Scottish uh, equivalent. We've got Dolly the sheep,
1: but um <laughs> We have the singer Gordon who does all sorts of uh, annoying things and not saving the world. But yeah, yeah. That's, uh, he's like the opposite of Dolly Parton. He's I like think, Kanye yeah. West. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Hugo de Jonger is hoping the vaccines
0: can start to be rolled out at the start of next year. Um, people aged over 60 and those with serious health difficulties like diabetes and heart disease should be top prioritized uh, on the advice of the National Health Council. De Jonger has also stressed the vaccine will not be compulsory. Uh, which is another whole can of worms that is going to be opened uh, up and uh, uh, crawl all over the dining table over the next few months. Uh, at the technical briefing this week Case von der Stey the leader of the uh, testimonial uh, Orthodox Protestant Bible Belt Party SKP, spent quite a long time dealing with the question of the mask mandate asking what the rationale was from changing from an advisory mask mandate policy to a compulsory one and I think we can all see the direction he's heading in here given that his constituency is the one that refuses to um, uh, take vaccines on religious grounds Yeah. Um, yeah so if you thought the fight over compulsory masks was a slugfest just wait till the vaccine Debate heats up basically. Um, and also, a recent survey found support for getting the vaccine has fallen to around 60%. Although some health experts say that's uh, that level is enough uh, to, um, to secure enough immunity. But some people are worried the process has been rushed through and the jab might not be safe. Um, so, still a bit of work to do, I think, uh, persuading people to, um, to take the vaccine. But at least nobody so far has suggested it causes autism.
2: Yeah.
1: No, Yet. yeah, it's coming. Also, Don't I'm worry. I'm really looking forward to all these an- anti-vax Trumpalumpas that mm. uh, uh, are going. I'm really looking forward to their mental gymnastics. Uh, in order, uh, uh, you know, Trump is is of course praising this vaccine. How yeah, are they yeah. going to respond to that? Because they are they 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 love Trump and they do everything he wants, but they also hate vaccines. How how yeah. they're going to respond to this? I'm really looking forward to.
2: I mean, the anti-vax thing at least in the u.s is kind of interesting because actually it weirdly falls it's one of the weird conspiracy theories that actually is more prevalent among progressive and liberal people than conservative people um like here in the netherlands it's quite prevalent amongst uh like conservative christians right that like you get most of this anti-vax stuff Mm -hmm. in the bible belt whatever and in the u.s it tends to be a lot of like uh, like hippy dippy sort of like people who are treating stuff with essential oils because I don't know big pharma is bad and also yeah. like a- ancient Chinese medicine really figured everything out or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind uh, of it's kind of on the Bill Gates conspiracy rather than the George yeah. Soros conspiracy camp, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, so I'm I am sort of curious to see how this plays out, like from an American perspective. But will you guys take the vaccine? Uh,
1: yeah, I think I will absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I have to admit that. Um, uh, a, a good vaccines usually take years and years to develop and uh, you know this vaccine uh, uh, was developed within a year uh, so I am a little bit um uh, skeptic in the sense that isn't it all going too fast but uh, i definitely uh,
0: like to know more about yeah, how they managed to get it done this quickly perhaps it's just because there's been so much more attention to this because the whole world so, it's been the only thing that the world has been for concentrating on for the, the for the last nine months maybe that's why yeah. so blah, 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 blah. i read
2: this really great twitter thread from a, a vaccine yep. researcher Um, Oh, you did
1: your own research, yeah?
2: I did some of my own research. He's British and works for, I don't know, the London School of Tropical Medicine or something like this. But what he was saying is actually that one of the things that takes forever usually to get vaccines developed is like the administration and the paperwork yeah. because it's not stuff that makes a ton of money. So basically, the only way to fund this kinds of research is through like university grants or government grants or like NGOs. This kinds of stuff, and so like it just takes forever to get like the money and the paperwork together. He said actually he doesn't think that like considering we basically just tossed all the red tape out the window. He actually was saying that he didn't think that this was you know particularly fast considering. Yeah,
0: it's gonna. Um, I- so that was
2: like an interesting
0: point. Yeah. I guess one thing that wasn't a hurdle this time was the funding because people were just prepared to pour enormous amounts of money into this, yeah. uh, betting on the fact exactly. the results... I mean, you saw what happened in the stock market last week when the right. first vaccine was announced. You know, the, yeah. whoever invested in the successful vaccine was going to cash in. So yeah, And whoever invested in Dolly
1: year. Parton is also cashing in. Yeah. 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 I mean, Indeed. Dolly
2: Parton <laughs> really underwrote this whole, like, endeavor.
1: Yeah. 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 So... Yeah, I think I would, I would take a, a vaccine, but... Um, uh, yeah, it's it's all going a little bit fast, so that sort of worries me a little bit. But, you know, if the experts tell me that it's fine, then I'm willing to uh, assume that it's all fine. You're <laughs>
2: such a sheeple.
1: I am. <laughs> yeah. If I was uh, Scottish, I would be named uh, Dolly. You would. That's true. Yeah. You, 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 yeah, you'd be like that
0: sheep on the Isle of Lewis that everyone's been posting on uh, Twitter this week. That you said,
1: absolute what? unit sheep? <laughs> <laughs> absolute
2: unit sheep, yeah. It's an absolute unit <laughs>
1: Over two million viewers watched Saturday's broadcast showing the arrival of Sinterklaas in the Netherlands. And that was the official kickoff for three weeks of festivities ahead of the main December the 5th present giving event. So we can, we are all legally, uh, allowed to eat, um, a paper notes now. Yes. Okay. So if you, if you, if you ate them before, then, uh, you will be punished by Sinterklaas. But now, from now on, you're allowed to do it. And also this year, traditional parades were canceled all over the country because of coronavirus and Dutch public broadcaster NTR has developed a special Covid storyline to explain the situation to young children. Uh, Several towns and cities held online events and also the official arrival was done completely different than than other years. The location of Saint Nicholas' arrival was kept secret until the very last moment to ensure children would not gather to welcome him. The Sinterklaas Journal revealed via a Freedom of Information request that Sinterklaas' steamship would arrive in the city of Zwolle. But much like uh, Sinterklaas himself, many had trouble finding Walk on the map. Why was that, Paul? Because it was a fictitious town.
2: It sounds like the name of a real town.
1: It does. Yeah, indeed.
2: Was there Zwarte Piet ophef in true center class tradition?
1: No. What? Not at all.
0: Not this year. Crazy, oh, wow. isn't it? That is outrageous. The fact there's no ophef is the ophef. So
2: you're telling me that coronavirus has cancelled three kissing circle parties and Zwarte Piet ophef? Yes. I mean. Can we keep coronavirus? This is my question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks to Dolly Parton, we can't. Dolly Damn Parton it. saved the Dutch culture. Uh. Yes, this was uh, the second year St. Nicholas Helpers had uh, sooty faces instead of uh, blackface makeup. But the lack of public events has uh, yeah, muted the heated debate about Swart of Pete a little bit. And also in many places, and that's mostly the bigger cities in the Netherlands, uh, Pete isn't portrayed with blackface for a couple of years now. So I think people are really getting used to the sooty faces Which by the way Better represents The backstory of Swarte Piet Climbing up and down The chimneys To deliver gifts Indeed And also surveys Show that public opinion Has shifted over The past few years uh, Support for the Traditional blackface Swarte Piet Continues to drop Only 55% of the Dutch population Support the traditional Swarte Piet Compared to 71% Last year And that's according To Een van Dag. Right So finally We've had a year
0: With absolutely no opf around Sinterklaas Or the Sinterklaas Chanel whatsoever Right
1: <laughs> you could <laughs> not have been more wrong uh, this year it came from a completely different new direction I have to admit. Uh, the Sinterklaas Journal uh, reported that Zwolle wasn't the only city in the running for Sinterklaas arrival. Among the other contestants was the fictitious city of Kruisigem in Limburg. Um, a sign with the name was shown uh, next to a roadside a crucifix in the background and Kruisigem sounds a little bit like crucify him and nobody noticed this except a couple of orthodox uh, protestant Christians who complained they found this pun very uh offensive uh, they were joined by custody leader Gert-Jan Segers. he stated on twitter the joke was extremely painful and some even said they would be boycotting as these painful in-
2: as crucifixion
1: or- <laughs> 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 almost as painful yeah
2: wait what was this sign does it sound like it in dutch or in english or both i guess are the words that's similar
1: kruisigen is to crucify yeah. uh, and kruisig hem Chem is a common right. suffix for cities yeah. uh, and if you pronounce it it sounds a bit like crucify him yeah. yeah which is true but and and next to next to the that crucifix um the the, the pun is very clear and
2: was it intentional did they do this intentionally? Yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah they did it intentional yeah so a lot of people complained to uh to the anti-air and um even some are going to boycott the Sinterklaas That's the daily yeah, sort of news program that shows the adventures of Sinterklaas. I have to say, Dutch Christians really need to spend
0: the next the rest of the lockdown just Googling the Streisand
1: effect. Yeah. I have to say. <laughs> this is the second time. Someone needs to
2: do a primer for them. Like, I have a PowerPoint at the next illegal church meeting. It's really, yeah. Exactly. yeah.
1: Yeah. the uh, the arrival this year was uh, really nicely done. I thought I haven't watched it, but I heard a lot of people talk about it. They, Cinder um, uh, uh, Class arrived in the Netherlands, and he went immediately to his temporary palace, which was uh, Palace Dijk, and he was uh, going to work from home. So, uh, that, that was a fun uh, little nod to the situation that. We all in. Um, he was welcomed by um, uh, sort of delegations from the country. So there were buses with uh, a selected group of children and the mayors of every every city that were going to palaisus Dijk. And they did a, a long parade, offering him gifts and uh, and drawings by children. And uh, that was a nod to how. Uh, Queen's Day was uh, celebrated in during Juliana's reign. Uh, she lived in Palaceus Dyke, and there was this huge parade of people. And also, at some point, um, all traffic was blocked because all these farmers on their tractors were coming to the palace. So there was also a little nod to uh, to the to the farmers' protest that we have seen this year. Um, so if, both for children and for parents, it was fun to watch it.
2: A special task force set up by the Immigration Service, Ian Day, will not manage to process the backlog of 15,000 applications for asylum by the end of the year as planned, Junior Justice Minister Anki Brookers-Kanol told MPs this week. What's her name? Uh, Anki Brookers-Kanol. What's her name? Anki Brookers-Kanol. Yes. Why is that so much fun to say?
1: It's a nice name. It's it just such a rolls great from the tongue. Yeah.
2: Some 7,000 cases will be pushed into 2021, Burkers Knoll said in her briefing. Uh, she blamed a number of setbacks, including coronavirus, startup delays, and time consuming procedures, which, quote, can't be made any quicker. The task force was set up after it emerged that the government was paying millions of euros in compensation to asylum seekers whose cases were not processed within the required period. Burkers Knoll has now scrapped those payments. So they're basically processing things, but also not paying people for not processing things. So this is great. The task force focuses on people who arrived in the Netherlands before the 1st of April, while new arrivals fall under regular procedures, and that means their cases are likely to be examined earlier.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Go. Um, and there also have been some demonstrations about the delay, right?
2: Yeah, unsurprisingly, uh, people are real frustrated at being stuck in limbo. Uh, in recent weeks, there have been several <laughs> demonstrations. Limburg? What?
1: Are they stuck in Limburg?
2: There, uh, yeah, there is an asylum center in Limburg, oh, isn't there? That's even worse. Which would be the worst yeah. place to be stuck in yeah. limbo in Limburg. Yeah. <laughs> in recent weeks, there have been several demonstrations at refugee centers by people who have arrived in the Netherlands several years ago and whose cases who have not been dealt with. Um, earlier this year, I read this book called. Two Blankets, Three Sheets or something like that, which was written by a guy who uh, was a refugee. I think he's from Afghanistan originally um, and came here and like waited 10 years to get his asylum stuff sorted out. And he just, he talked a lot about in the book about how yeah incredibly like depressing and miserable and horrible this situation yeah. is because you just can 't move on with your life you just keep no. you know you 're in like some kind of kafka esque nightmare where you just cannot move forward you can't do anything you have no money like you're just stuck in this like endless like limbo of not knowing what 's going to happen and just how demoralizing and miserable this is
1: yeah yeah it's just insane to hear that some people are waiting ten years for for clarity, basically. And yeah, you wonder why on earth should it take so long?
2: Refugee aid group uh, Vluchtelingenwerk uh, said the situation is a result of the result of the, quote, last failed attempt uh, to tackle <laughs> the problems at Ian Day and blamed the minister for failing to take the lead.
0: If you've had to tear up your Christmas plans, put the paper note and back on the shelf and abandon your dreams of setting fire to a massive stack of wooden pallets on the beach, why not console yourself by becoming a sponsor of the Dutch News Podcast? For as little as one euro a month, you can help us to help you stay informed of all the latest news and developments in the Netherlands, which next year will include a general election, a mass vaccination programme, a summer football tournament and the continuing adventures of Brexit Muppet. How could you resist? New patrons get a shout out and a huge thank you on the next episode, and you can ask us any questions anytime to read out and attempt to answer on air. We also record the occasional bonus episode that patrons get to hear months before anyone else. So, if you'd like to join our band of self-selecting, socially distancing patrons, log on to www.patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl.
1: Threatening letters containing white powder have been sent to three new locations in the Netherlands on Thursday. Uh, First, I have a question. In the Netherlands, we call these letters poederbrieven, which means powder letters, but I don't think there is a english equivalent for this word isn't there
2: i want to say so i think that we in the u.s at least that you call them anthrax letters even though they don't actually contain anthrax because the first round of this in the u.s was
1: with with anthrax anthrax. Yeah. yeah yeah i was wondering because i was writing this and i thought is there an english equivalent for it but yeah apparently there is um Two anthrax letters were sent to addresses in Amsterdam, another to a hospital in Roumont. The new sendings take the total number of threatening letters currently known to about 18. So, that's a lot of letters.
2: That is... Uh, that's a scary amount of letters.
1: Yeah, and only in three days. So yeah, it's yeah, crazy. It's really weird. The letters were sent to businesses, editorial offices, hotels, and hospitals. Uh, police would not say which buildings in Amsterdam were targeted in the latest mailing. One letter is now known to have contained a harmless quantity of pesticide, but police have uh, also declined to give more details. Uh, the police advise people not to open suspicious letters and to call the police uh, if they receive one, and also if they uh, do discover powder in an envelope wash your hands and don't touch it uh, Postnl, which processes 7 million letters daily said it is impossible to intercept the so-called uh, puderbriefe since it is illegal to open letters to check their contents uh, police are investigating who sent the letters but haven't given any further information yet so yeah it's really threatening. 18 in three days it's um police also said they don't know if 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 they come from one person but i mean it or it, it it should be right or at least a group of people that it's some sort of coordinated attack it's also unclear what the connection between these hospitals and these editorial offices and these hotels are but
2: so when this happened in the u.s there was like these anthrax letters that were mailed i remember this it was like right after the september 11th attacks um so it was like everything was just unbelievably terrifying and i don't remember exactly what the person's motivation was but basically they they pretty much managed to kill a, a few like mail service employees it was just people who were processing the letters like they were also it was sent to like politicians and stuff so you're like you're not gonna you know hurt harm some sort of like high senator he doesn't open his own fucking mail but like the guy who delivers the mail packages like yeah they're the ones yeah it's really this is just such a like gross way to
1: target people yeah
2: And a slightly funny uh take on this um i don't know if you know this paul but i do a lot of like pen paling. no
1: i didn't know you like
2: write letters back and (laughs) forth to people yeah and penpalling people get very into like decorating their yeah um, yeah <laughs> envelopes and like this kinds of stuff. And I have a number of pen pals who really like to put like glitter or like sparkly things or like this kinds of stuff into the letter. So I'm just waiting for the you know the off day to turn up at my door and be like, well we've you know we've taken in these these two letters because it has a suspicious powder in it and it's just like tiny little sparkly stars or something.
1: Now I come to think of it, you once sent me. Uh, when you just got Truby, you sent everybody a sort of uh, birthday card, uh, 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 I have a new dog, and you also filled it with some sort of cleary, paperish, confetti sort of stuff, I... I remember. Luckily for me, I opened it in such a way that it didn't fall out, so uh, my floor wasn't covered with it, but surely that was your intention.
2: It was, in fact. I mean, as we've discussed, I am chaotic evil, so.
0: (laughs) Sports news. And I completely forgot there was an international football match on this week. Oh. That's how riveting the Nations League has been. (laughs) Anyway. The Netherlands won't be contesting the knockout stages of the Corona Cup, despite coming from 1-0 down to beat Poland 2-1 in Cukov. That's because Italy, as expected, beat Bosnia in their final league match to finish one point ahead in Group A of League 1 or Group 1 of League A, I don't know. (laughs) The Dutch were behind until the seventy-six minutes, when Memphis Depay slammed in a penalty, and then Captain Georginio Wijnaldum headed in a corner eight minutes later for his third goal in two matches. Frank de Boer was pleased to see his side win their final two games and shows some self-belief. Having beaten Bosnia in Amsterdam on Sunday, he said, quote, "We dug in and fought till the last second. It's great to see how the players kept believing in
1: themselves." Do, do you think the Spalers understand the the system of the Nations League? Uh, no.
2: Does anybody understand the system of the Nations League?
1: No. Okay. No. No one understands the point of the Nations League. I also heard that there is a um, a group phase uh, for the for the tiniest nations uh, in yeah. Europe, and I believe the Netherlands has a sort of role in this because two players of Gibraltar are Dutch players. That's quite possibly is true.
2: Gibraltar has Gibraltar is in its own country. Why does it have its own team?
0: Gibraltar has a team. It doesn't have a team. Um, oh they my God. played
2: Scotland. Okay, I'm going back to tuning out the sports section. This is too much. <laughs>
1: <fun>. <laughs> they they played against Luxembourg, Molly. You should yep. be uh, you should be enthusiastic no. about this. No. Yeah, there, there's a special league
0: for Luxembourg, uh, San Marino, the Faroe Islands, Gibraltar, and um, yeah, Liechtenstein and Andorra. Yep. And Andorra, yeah. And they all get to play each other in the. I'd love to see how many people turn up to watch those matches. In fact, I'd quite like to go to one.
2: I think the entire populations of all of those, like, microstates combined couldn't fill, like, a normal sized football stadium.
1: No, no, India. I mean,
2: I know personally there's only like nine people that live in Luxembourg. So, I mean, I don't know where you're <laughs> going to get 20,000 other people to fill a football stadium from.
1: Yeah, but uh, Gibraltar has two Dutch players from, I believe it was uh, Heereveen or something like that. So, uh, all these people from Heereveen are very excited about this. Yeah. I think there live more people in Heereveen or wh- whatever city they're coming from than in Gibraltar. Is, it, is this the uh, Frisian independence movement trying to get its own team? <laughs> yeah. do they not have yeah, the- to
2: be from the place that they're playing for
1: yeah I believe they have some sort of uh, uh, a double nationality or something but they were born in, in in this city in the Netherlands and now they play for Gibraltar but you can't
2: have double nationality because Gibraltar is not a nation so you can't have <laughs> Gibraltar's nationality
1: I haven't actually read their story but I know that a lot of people are excited about uh, these this two none players of this makes in any Gibraltar sense. No, they are honoring Gibraltarians yeah. yeah. Do you want to know who else is in the knockout round? Not with? not particularly, but go go ahead anyway.
0: No. Well, it's, uh, we've got Italy, obviously, because they qualified uh, from ahead of the Netherlands. Also, Belgium, Spain, and France, which uh, coincidentally are also the four countries with the highest coronavirus death rates in the European Union.
2: Are these two things related?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, if you want to get ahead in the Nations League, um,
2: kill off ten percent of your population with a basically transmittable virus. <laughs>
0: Something this is like not that. a good
1: advice for Gibraltar and Andorra because uh, no. they have so few people uh, anyway. So yeah, I
2: mean Spain would be happy if you if you took out Gibraltar.
1: The Gibraltar was empty.
0: And Andorra, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> D- did something happen with sports at the press conference, Gordon?
0: There was nothing, no mention of sports. I don't think they just said that the football competitions would carry on as they have been the last few weeks, so without any uh, any crowds, and that means any more public money because uh, no one's buying tickets for the stadiums. So the clubs have been claiming under the now reckling, which was set up to pay wages to businesses that lost income during the pandemic. Uh, PSV Eindhoven topped the state subsidy league table. They put in a claim for more than two and a half million euros for the next quarter. Uh, seven more clubs, including Ajax, Fire. Nord and Azzer Alkmaar have claimed more than one million the league's brought up by Brabant club EKse Valvec who needed just uh, just over half a million to keep going but here are vain had to pay theirs back because they sold a couple of players including Nigerian striker Hidera uh, Ejuke to CSK Moscow for um, millions of euros But the Fizzing Club so they pay back their state subsidy but then this week they announced uh, that they were shedding 10 jobs because of the financial constraints of Corona so okay so um, they seem to have been punished for their success is it 10? yeah, yeah
2: footballers or like no, like no accountants or something
1: Ten administrative stuff yeah, okay just checking yeah. but gordon why is there no mention of the chicken the chicken yes what is yeah. the, chicken? the chicken what's happened with the chicken we need to the kn- chicken living in the Kuip stadium in Rotterdam. Ah. yes ah.
2: i want to hear more about the chickens
1: because in the year 2000 uh, france won the uh, european championship in the Kuip. Yes. And as a celebration French supporters released a number of uh, Roosters uh, and cocks And chicken, which is the national symbol Of France Around the stadium I have
2: questions Did they bring yeah. the chickens with them from France to release them?
0: Yes They, they do this at the, at the rugby Oh they do that at the rugby too what? At the six nations tournament yeah, they, they, they take a chicken out onto the field with Okay, the, With the team Okay,
1: then I think they <laughs> lost one uh, before they entered the stadium because this chicken, or there must be multiple chicken, they uh, were released around the Kaap Stadium in Rotterdam, and now the there was a a chicken plague for years, for two decades, <laughs> uh, around the Kaap. So now one hundred fifty of these Jesus. French chickens live around the Cape stadium. And now finally the municipality have decided to get rid of the chicken. And as Molly knows now, because I forced her to watch this video, a lot of people, uh, a lot of business owners surrounding the Cape, are not happy with it. No. Hmm even one, one guy was complaining why do they hate chicken uh, uh, we like them, <laughs> we like the sound uh, this dude even said that sometimes he just uh, goes to wherever they lay their eggs to get fresh eggs and also he said I'm just going to buy a couple of chicken and uh, release them again oh my uh, god so I, want, I want these oh chicken around the Cape Stadium so yeah. yeah, I'm just curious uh, that, that it took the municipality two decades to get rid of these chicken because usually when whenever there is a mess after a football match or uh, or anything then during the night they clean everything up and you would think they would just uh, catch this chicken and uh, uh, get rid of it as well yeah And I have chicken soup, yeah. Or cap bouillon. I'm
2: still stuck <laughs> on the fact that people are just bringing chickens to foreign football stadiums. This is...
1: Yes, it's better than Corona, I guess. Yeah, it's bird flu instead. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what what would the... Maybe the Dutch should take a
0: mink with them to every sports event yeah. so they can infect all their, their opponents with the coronavirus. No, what, yeah. what, what should the
2: Dutch take with them? I mean, the Dutch national lions. symbol is a lion, so I think they should just release yeah. a bunch of lions. In a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that will be the end of this fucking tradition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the scottish <laughs> Nef no symbol is also a lion so they they'd each have a lion the lions could
1: just fight each other it could It'd be more interesting sh- the they're football, gonna have to hold really. these football matches yeah. in the
2: coliseum in rome it'll just be like olden times yeah
1: yeah exactly england has three lions so they have to release mm. uh, yeah. three of them
2: yeah and then wales will show up with a dragon and everyone is <laughs>
1: <fucked>. <laughs> all bets will
0: be off
2: DNA evidence has shown that a man whose body washed up on the small island of Rosendebol between Tessel and Den Helder in 1995 is 59-year-old Hans from Sundsvall in Sweden. The maritime police in Den Helder, who have been trying to uncover the identity of the man, uh, who's been dubbed the sailor of Boll, thought he might be from Sweden based on a watch he was wearing and a label in his clothing. This summer, the police decided to reopen the case. They sent press releases to numerous Swedish papers, and a woman with insomnia came upon an article about a man one night when she couldn't sleep. He was described as having little money but much creativity and built himself a yacht. She thought this could well be my uncle, maritime police officer John Velsenbach told The Telegraph. Apparently, he was an enterprising man, and she knew he had gone missing after going on a sailing trip in 1995. The woman contacted Velzenbach and put him in contact with her nieces, the man's daughters, they told him that their father had written to them after he left to say that he had gone to Germany and Denmark. And after that, all contacts ceased and attempts to find out if he had ever renewed his passport came to naught. It's not clear why the girls never reported their father missing. DNA material from the two daughters was a match. Uh, they are very grateful and happy to know what happened to their father. The uncertainty was gone, and that is very important when someone goes missing, the police officer Velsenbach said. The sisters will be coming to collect the body from its nameless resting place in the Denhelder Cemetery next year um, and they will also visit the place where he was found. So, like, sort of a happy ending?
1: I guess, but no, not reporting your father missing for 25 years is a little bit weird, but okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, the impression that I got from this is it sounds like he was a bit of a free spirit. And so maybe they just didn't know if he was missing, missing or not. I guess. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But still.
2: But still, I mean, I think it's good for them to have, you know, sort of clarity as to, to what exactly happened. Yeah. That's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at Dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at Dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can now also back us on Patreon at patreoncom DutchnewsNL. You'll earn yourself a free shout-out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek and Paul Paters. I'm Molly Quell. We'll be back next week.